Hey guys, welcome to Tales of Recovery, where our stories and our experience of getting out of specific times of pain or suffering or struggling, so life in general, are kind of talked about here. And then in lieu, we talk about how that has recovered our sole purpose in this life. And so today, I'm really excited to talk with Stevie Santos, my friend, who's a father, a husband. He's working, doing amazing work with a nonprofit called Water for Life, among lots of other things. I'll let you guys uh, hear from him. But this is a really exciting morning for me. Thank you, Stevie, for coming in here and talking about your, your life, the way you have discovered love more and more each day, and how you're sharing that with the world and with your family and with all of us now as we um, have this recording. Thanks for being here today. And thank you for having me. So excited to be here and um, just kind of glad that life kind of brought us together. So hopefully I get to share and people get to hear this and uh, yeah, take something from it. You know, I think yes. that's what life's about, sharing uh, what we've been through and um, giving that to the world, you know, little gifts here and there. So uh, thank you again. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm so glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about kind of where you're from, your background, and uh, you have a very interesting, radical life. Yeah, so, um, wow. It's, it's hard when, you know, I think of that, like where, where did it all start? But um, I think for me, it, like those kind of bullet point moments in my life are, you know, I'm 36 years old, I'm born and raised in San Diego. I was born to a... Um, amazing mother um and it's funny after years just um kind of thinking of that as you, of your parents as you grow and like what you thought of them as you're younger in going through life and how much that has changed but um my mom had me at 17 years old you know she's married to my dad for about a year he was a little older and didn't really work out and kind of from then I think those are the moments that just like little by little have kind of shaped my life so I was um kind of moved from home to home, lived with different relatives. And my dad was a fisherman, so he was always gone and um, primarily just raised by like a village, like that statement, you know, like I'm raised by a village. Okay. It's so true. Where are your parents originally from? So um, my mom is Portuguese, Mexican, Italian, and Irish. My dad's full-blooded Portuguese. His right. parents were like, you know, from... You know, the islands off Portugal came here for like the fishing industry and then kind of grew up in that Point Loma area. But growing up with a mom, and I'm the oldest of four and my parents only had me. And then I have three younger siblings and um, from my mom's second marriage. So I was kind of always raised by myself between going to a relative's like house for a little while or back to my grandmother's, my mom's mom. Um, who primarily raised me. So my mom's mom was okay. a huge um, influence in my life. Um, I lived with her probably off and on until I graduated high school. Um, but I would go back and forth, you know, spend a, maybe a summer or a year at my mom's and then back to my grandma's. And, you know, so I was always kind of moving around. By the time I graduated high school, I went to um, 10 different schools growing up. So wow. a lot of moving, um, a lot of new friends, losing friends, new, you know, bed to sleep in, different change, you know, so my environment was kind of always changing. Um, my mom, you know, growing up, you know, struggled with addiction. My father actually still does. Um, we don't really have a relationship currently. Um, 
doors always open, but, um, you know, that's been his journey and kind of, I think going through the drugs and depression in life. And so, and so, yeah, so kind of growing up, it was like, you know, I think of like my life, these experiences now where I'm at as a father, as a husband, um, just the difference, the total change from what I saw to where I am now. And all those things that I've experienced that I thought were also kind of like negative experiences have become such amazing teachers from my life and a way of how I want to do things differently or live differently and experience life differently. And, um, God, me and my mom are closer than we've ever been, which is just unreal that I think about like how we grew up and her years of addiction and, you know, seeing what that did to her and our family and, um, kind of how I felt about that, like the abandonment or just the pain. And so, um, yeah, so that's been, um, really, really awesome feeling to, to, to be there now and go, wow, like, you know, can you take pain? Can you take loss? Can you take all these things and then kind of transform them, transform them into a loving, positive thing in your life? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's like all this struggle and suffering can take you down either a path of just no returning or a path of transforming that into a spiritual journey, a spiritual awakening, mm. therefore a transformation and really a discovery of forgiveness and love. Mm. Right? Definitely. I, yeah. I heard a thing, there was a, um, a guy I was listening to the other day and he talked about um, his journey and he, he had this, he had these periods in his life that he called the fruitful darkness. Right. And I thought, wow, like the fruitful darkness, can darkness be fruitful? you know, and I've always thought of like living in the light, living in the best, you know, always being positive, like, you know, you know, you know, fake it till you make it, all that stuff. Right. And Mm -hmm. I thought, man, I've learned so much from those dark times and those hard times in my life that, you know, I wouldn't wish them on anyone. And you always want the best, you know, especially as a father. Now, I'd never want my daughter to feel that. But when they happen and things happen, like that's life, life, like, right. Like, any day you can get a phone call or a diagnosis or whatever, you know, what do you do with that? Do you, you know, what comes out of you? And I think we all go through stages, but if you allow it to happen, you know, to you and you allow it to process and you sit in it and you just take it in the, like what can come out is amazing, you know? And so when I heard that, like that fruitful darkness, I'm like, Whoa, like really has been, you know, now, time has gone by and I've allowed it to ripen and allowed it to grow. It's here now. Like I can take something negative. I can take something bad and let it transform into something beautiful and, and, and a learning experience teachable, you know? But, and that's certainly like a very mature way or a very, I don't know, old soul way to look at it. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. when it's happening to you, you're not necessarily enjoying it per se. Right. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you walked through it or your life experience, who helped you, who showed up at a specific time, where were you at, traveling, what service to the world did you do? Because I know you worked a long time with Project Reach, mm-hmm. which is helping you know, people that are down and out or homeless or getting out of their own recovery of addiction or jail. How has doing that kind of work kind of helped you process the... Um, you know, the life experience that you had growing up without like the typical mom and dad and blah, 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 which maybe doesn't necessarily help you move along in the journey of spirituality, right? Definitely. I think 
for me, it was realizing that we're all people. Like, we're all human beings. Everyone has a story. Like, my story is one of parents or situations. Someone else is, you know, maybe born into, um, you know, a foster home or, you know, completely, like, parents don't exist or in a poor developing country. Like, you know, you get to the root of it all. we're, We're human beings. We go through suffering. We go through these moments in life. And, but it, I think it ties us all together. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was realizing, yeah, my story was rough. Yeah, my past was like very hard. I definitely didn't have the ideal parenting situation. Um, but I think for me, it was moving from, you know, that stage of like poor me, that victim me to surviving. And I went through a lot of years of just surviving, like do what I can get through this. Everything will be okay to like, I want to thrive. I want to live. I want to experience more. Right. I want to reach more people. And so I, I've talked about that with people, especially when I was doing work with project reach was, you know, they're in a stage of just making it, of just getting by one more meal, you know, a hot meal if possible, maybe a shower, that's one stage, right? So they've come from a story or maybe they're still in the, the, um, the victim, you know, and then it's like, let's go to the survivor. And then from there, we, I'd love to see someone thrive. And that can look so different. You know, for us, we think of like the American way, like I've got this and I got that. But I really think the biggest part of thriving is understanding that you are loved. When you are loved and you're surrounded by love, the rest is details, really. Like, yeah. that stuff comes and goes, man. I've, I've been through the 2008 market crash stuff, you know, and, like, <laughs> I'm riding a bike to work, and, you know, all of a sudden we're starting from scratch. But I, I would come home, and my wife was there, and I'm like, we got this. Like, we're here, you know? We'll figure it out, you know? Like, I saw her when we had one night off a week or whatever. You know, it's, like, those moments that, like, life's hard. Things happen. But, like, if you have love... All the rest, man. And it's it's not every day. Like, every day is hard. And it's hard to be, you know, to remember that. But I think if you're intentional about going, love, okay. Man, man, I just heard this. It's really negative. Or I saw the news today. Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, I got this phone call. And my siblings are, you know, love. Yeah. And it's constantly, right? And I think if, like, if you can do that and get your mind focused on that, love. But really, like, I don't know, this guy was really rude to me. Love. He has a story, too. You know, and I hear that often. And it's like everything I've done, I've seen negative stuff. That's someone's daughter. Yeah. That, and to look at it like that, that's someone's son. And maybe they're older now. That's still someone's son. That's still someone's daughter. They have a story. How did they get here? And the only way I can think of it is the love. If not, you'll never understand it. It'll never make sense. And you have to go, wow, like what is their day like today? Yeah. I, you know, and now if I think of my mom, my mom might've been one of those people that I'm going, what's wrong with her? Like get it together years ago. Right. So, so for me to see my mom now, what she's worked out of 20, 20 years ago, probably even less than that. Someone's going like, she needs to get it together, get your life together. And now I'm going wait, but that's my mom. I love her. Not always perfect. Yeah. You know, and I hope my daughter be the same for me. Like, Oh, that's my dad. Don't always understand him, but I love him. And I think that's been the biggest transformation for me was discovering like the love part. All the rest is, I try to control as much as I can, Mm -hmm. but is there's so many uncontrollable elements of our lives that if I can just have the love as a center point, the rest is going to kind of work itself out. 
Either way, you know what I mean? Or, right. you know, so. Right. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> and, I mean, the thing is to, to practice this mindset, right, or this decision um, isn't always easy. And clearly, I see, I mean, I don't think, I mean, you barely touched on sort of your life history and where you had to go and that you were working like 17 years old or paying your own rent, right? So you were super young and all that. Yeah. Um, additional, I mean, very common in lots of other countries, but like you said, for the American people or whatever, yeah. it's not, it's something that you don't really see or maybe you do, I don't know. But either way, the process of suffering in your own life, I think, allows you to then see or have more grace for others mm. and have more space for that love, right? So what are some of the key things that you think helped you kind of get to where, you know, not every 36-year-old man with your life talks like this, right? How yeah. is this? <laughs> man, I think one of the biggest ones, and it's, 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 it's hard, and it's still really hard for me, is been my relationship with my dad. So, um, and where I'm at now with that. And it's like, I mean, it gives me goosebumps if we were on camera right now and you mm -hmm. could see this, like just talking about it. Um, so as a boy, and I don't know if that's that thing where you always want your dad in your life and you want the baseball throw or I love soccer, so the soccer ball, whatever. But um, my dad was pretty much gone from like the beginning of my life until... Um, you know, in and out throughout my younger years, but my dad went from, you know, being a tuna fisherman, working, never around. My parents, like I said, barely made it a year married. And then um, I got an opportunity to live with him when I was a young kid, probably around first grade. But it was funny. He's like, I want you to live with me, but um, I'm going to be fishing. So you're going to stay with your grandma, which is my mom's mom anyways. And I'm like, wait, like, okay. <laughs> So I was like, cool, right? Excited. I was living with my aunt and all her kids for a while and she did an amazing job trying to take care of me, but it was like, I'm living in someone else's home and mm -hmm. just part of the pack, but I was fed, clothed, was going to Catholic school. I was like, all right, cool. And then, you know, but I was really missing home and I would like, cry, I would call my mom as much as possible on the phone and just be like crying at night. Like, I want to go home, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny because like, I never had a home like I was living in, like big and there was always food and like all this. And I'd be on the phone. I'm just like, I just want to go home. I want to go home, you know? And that was like really hard for me to go like, whoa, like people want this. And yet I just want to be in my parents' presence. Right. So my dad offered that, you know, opportunity. I took it, ended up at my grandma's anyways, kind of stayed there for a while. And then um, eventually that didn't really work out. And then my dad, after his career, he got, he got injured and he really had struggled with like substance abuse and um, depression is just so big and kind of untalk, not really talked about on my dad's side of the family being, I don't know if they're kind of that older mentality and coming from like a certain culture, but like you really don't talk about like mental illness or depression. And I mean, if you spent time with any of them, you would just be like, whoa, you guys need like help, man. And I mean, I saw that my poor grandmother, just her whole life struggled with mental illness. Mm. And so, you know, from there and not getting help and finding like substance abuse, you know, and like these little things to fill those gaps for him without getting help. He, um, you know, after he was injured and then, you know, went from drugs to harder drugs and then, you know, ended up in jail, spent, you know, a few years in and out of prison, would get his life back together, you know, again, not getting help, not getting the resources, always a hard worker though. That's one thing about my dad, just when he was clean and sober. I mean, guy works so hard, 
But without help, without love, without all those things around him, it would just, I would just wait. Yep, he ends up in prison again. And so that was kind of our relationship for years. It's like in and out, back to addiction, you know, and, you know, I've just kind of always like, all right, see you when I see you. So we really didn't have a relationship. It was definitely not, I don't think we've ever really hugged or that I know of, or maybe there was a couple of times or like really been affectionate. And what people would think as a father or son or father and child, whatever. And then about, I would say, um, I think some of the biggest, biggest time for me and him was um, my last two years of high school. I spent the freshman year and June, uh, freshman and sophomore year living with my grandmother. I was working in a little Italian restaurant, doing my stuff, like going to school. My grandma's taking care of me. My dad was getting his life together and he was like, hey, you want to come live with me? He had a two-bedroom apartment, still in that area so I can go to school. And I was like, man, like, this could be cool, right? Like, get some time, send my dad. And, you know, I moved in, had my own room. And it was like a roommate situation. Yeah. Like, you need to do this. And, like, you need to put, you know, like, pull your weight around here. And I was like, man, we haven't even, like, spent life together. And so it's kind of rough, but at the same time, like, my grades are slipping or whatever. I remember my dad going, he never graduated high school either. Um, actually, either of my parents. And he goes, if you don't graduate high school, I'll kill you. You know, and I'm like, uh, that's a little rough. And then I'm like, is he serious? So that was always in the back of my mind. Like, I'm like, you know, so I, I got my grades back up, did the best I can. I'm definitely no like, yeah, like scholastic genius or whatever. But, um, Towards um, the end of my high school years, he was starting to kind of get in that downslope again of his like depression. And, you know, I saw things here and there, but he always, he always like would get through those little moments that were hard and he was working really well. Um, and then I started, I mean, the week after I graduated high school, I went to work full time doing construction and demolition. And um, I started noticing some changes in my dad's behavior when I was coming home. I would work for like a couple days out of town and then come home. And I was just pretty much storing my stuff at his house, working out of town, and then home for a few days. And during that time, he got injured again. And what he didn't do, and it's like going back to that, you got to ask for help and you got to surround yeah. yourself. You know, doctors give you painkillers, painkillers run out. It's like that cycle. And go. I was coming home to him starting to be high in like, I know, I know he, I knew he got high throughout my life. I knew he was using drugs or whatever. I, but I was never like there at the same time. Now I was seeing it. I was coming home and I went from the son to being the parent almost like trying to clean up the house and trying to take care of things. And it, in, in, in the craziest way, I just wanted to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And I was on the phone with my mom one night and, um, the bathroom had like, um, needle in it and had like there was some blood and some stuff that he's probably you know using and um, he was up and doing some you know kind of crazy stuff and I called my mom and I'm like mom I don't know what to do and she's like you just need to get out of there mm -hmm. and I said I can't leave him like this and she's like you need to get out of there and I that's I left mm -hmm. and I left that day and I think I might have saw him one more time and then I haven't seen him in about almost, it'll be eight years in January or heard from him really. Wow. And, um, he did up like, because he wasn't working and using, and then he eventually lost his place. He got in trouble and, um, you know, went to spend some time in jail again. And, um, as far as I know, cause I've, I'm trying to like put the pieces together of what I heard too. And, um, that was kind of it. 
and it was very hard for me to leave him. And I was, you know, the anger came up and this and that. And I'm just like, you know, why? Like, why do you do this? Like, what is, you know, wrong? And so, you know, I don't hear from him. I got to get my life together. So I'm doing my thing, working, working, working. And um, a lot of time goes by and I don't really hear from him. Well, my daughter was born um, on January 14th and um, 2011. And randomly, I get this phone call in the hospital. It's my dad. And he says, I heard you had a kid. And um, this would have been my dad's only grandchild, you know, and um, I'm my dad's only child. He, I have a half-sister that he, um, from him and his girlfriend years before, um, uh, my daughter was born. Your daughter is the first one. Yeah. My daughter, so my daughter's the first one. So he still, I think, till this time, doesn't have any other grandkids. And he called me and he goes, um, oh my gosh, I heard you had a... Uh, a kid and a daughter what's your name and I'm like her name's Harlow and he's like that's a beautiful name and I'm like hey if you ever want to meet her that's that's the first thing that came out like Mm -hmm. I thought of if you ever want to meet her just let me know I'd love for you to meet her just you know give me a call I will I will I that was the last time we've ever talked and I realized like that was that moment that just like everything went through my mind everything like oh my god you have a grandkid and you know, I'm married and I've done it and I want you part of this, yeah. you know, and I've been here and I haven't heard from him since. And I think it breaks my heart to know that like, I love him no matter what he's done, whatever they've been through him and my mom and all that stuff. I love him. I don't understand the things he's done. I don't condone those things, whatever, but I love him and the door is always open. When I had that thought, I think that really like radically changed my mind into what forgiveness, what compassion is, what all these things are when we talk about love. Because right there, I just wanted him to see this beautiful little girl and to see my family and to see what we've created. And I'm not saying like we got all the stuff and like going on, like, you know, we work or we work hard, we're doing the best we can, but we're still together. We're still raising our daughter the best we can. We're doing these things. And I just want him to be part of it. We're not, not even the like, hey, I need you to like help. We just want you to see what we've been able to create. Yeah. And so I look at that and go, he's given me gifts. Like he's taught me in the most bizarre way. Like I said, do not, I don't think anyone should parent like that. <laughs> but what I don't want to do, how I don't want to live life, how I want to be a father, how I want to be a husband and, you know, a few years back, uh, I think actually before my daughter was born, so she's going to be eight in January, I, me and my wife are having this conversation about our marriage, and I go, you know what? If we just make it, if we can make it and hold on together in a good way, don't just do it to do it, right. that's a win. That's a big win. That changes like our family history, everything we see. My mom's been married three times, and... You know, my dad, after my mom just dated, that didn't work out. We have a lot of like broken relationships and this and that. I think if we can do this, that's a win. And it's so simple. It's like, right? It's like, people are like, well, own your own home and have your own business. Like, that's cool. If it happens, man, that'd be a blessing, right? To me, it's like, if we can stay as a family, a loving family, 
there, not just doing it because like, where else am I going to go? A loving, healthy, yeah, thriving. Yeah, that to me is everything. And so I got that by seeing what my dad did, mm-hmm. by experience. I mean, I'm visiting this guy like growing up in prison, like, hey, dad, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. I'm getting cards from like the prison. Happy birthday, son. And it's like superheroes are drawn on like an envelope. You know, I remember visiting him in prison and my clothes, I was a little kid, like maybe 10, 11, and my clothes were the same color as the inmates. And my grandmother, my mom's mom drove me to see him, which is like amazing. And they had, they made me go buy new clothes because I was wearing blue just like the inmates. Like what 10 year old or 11 year old, like, you know, is going through that, right? My grandma's like, all right, let's go get you clothes. But what I see is that is someone's son. That was my grandma's son. That's my father. That's someone. He's a human being. You know, not the best father figure role model, not the best son role model, not the whatever, but someone. And you know what? As I've gotten older and I got to meet my dad's dad and we never had a relationship. My grandfather, my dad's father, he passed away a few years ago. Um, Severe alcoholic, very abusive. And he stopped drinking in his later years. And I saw him kind of isolated and alone from kind of the years he was, was my dad never knew real love. My grandmother was sick and like, you know, she did the best she could, but, um, you know, her depression and, you know, bipolar and all that. I mean, you name it, man. I spent time with her growing up a lot and just like, wow. Now that I'm older and look back like, oh, that wasn't healthy. My dad never knew what love was. And when you don't know what love is, man, that's like someone literally like throwing you out of something with like nothing and going, okay, good luck. Like figure it out. And that's what you're sometimes going to get. Yeah. You know, some people are fortunate enough to run into people who are just filled with love. But for others, if you don't and you just hit the ground, like it's like. That's all you know. That's all you know. Yeah. And so I started looking back at his life. I look back at my grandfather and looking back at my grandma and I go, man, if they would have only known how loved they were or who they could have been or the family they had, I think so much. And actually, my, I brought my little daughter to visit my grandfather one time while he was in town. And I have this picture of them. She's sitting on a wall and she's a little girl. And he's there and he's like looking at her. And that was probably the only time they ever met. Even uh, her, her great, that would be her great grandfather. So my grandfather. And, um, and it was just amazing to see them there, right? After all those years, I never even thought that was possible. And I'm like, wow, she's met her great grandfather. She hasn't even met her grandfather yet. Yeah. You know, like, okay, there's still hope. And, yeah. you know, my biggest thing with that is I've learned my my only regret is that if something ever happens or um, we never have the chance that my dad will never know, um, he'll never be surrounded by that love. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest fear now as a dad, yeah. as, a, as a husband. I don't care what I have when it's my time to go. I just want to be surrounded by people that say like, he loved us and we loved him, mm-hmm. right? So for me, that's my biggest thing is like, do you know that you're loved? Right now, wherever you're at, this town or every town he's in, like there's people love you and I, we never want you to like leave this place alone or no, or feel alone. And I think, how do you get there? Like, you know, to me, I'm like, what? Like, really? You know, sometimes I go like, but you did this and you're, you know, why didn't you do this more? Why can't you be a better, you know? But I realized that doesn't solve anything. Well, it only hurts you. And I mean, cause what I see right now is your perspective, mm. your grace. The, you know, the eyes to see what he did give you, right? Mm-hmm. That's such a transformation versus the typical blaming and expecting you to fix me kind of way of seeing things. So that 
is such a beautiful gift mm. that you have that you're now sharing with us, with your daughter, with your wife, with, I don't know, maybe your dad will hear this. <laughs> I don't know. Or anybody else that's yeah. in that same situation. You know, there's, I hear so much hope in your words. And mm. so, you know, it's, it's just really cool having discovered that and then just living that life. Mm. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're walking, where you're attending or doing, just walking in that is, is a gift to the world that I'm very grateful for. Seeing it in you mm. and seeing it in, um, you know, I know a few people that are kind of in the same yeah. love journey. Um, and it's so beautiful. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going, I'm in it. You know, that's yeah. the thing now. I'm like, wow, this has been 36 years, you know, like what's the next 36 years, yeah. right? Like what else is there to learn and experience? And um, it's scary. It's unsettling, you know, because you're like, oh man, you know, what's coming? But at the same time, it's like, wow, look what I've seen and look what it's done to me in such a positive way. And, um, you know, I've had a, I know I was uh, journaling one day and I was thinking of all the, like, I was writing down all the bad stuff. And, you know, it's sad to say, but there was more negatives than positives. Like, from the earliest memories of my life till now, like, gosh, I mean, last, we had last year, year and a half, we, my wife was diagnosed with cancer and she's completely healthy now, but went through all that process. Mm. A really close friend of mine, young boy that was, um, in my life and his family, um, he he succumbed to um, terminal brain cancer, Mm. had a friend, um, you know, take his own life. Like, you know, I saw that and I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, stay positive. Right. Like you, you see that. And instead, you know, it's been almost the opposite. Like, what do those teach you? What do you get from them? You know, how are you going to live? Are you going to live in what part of that? The love part? The, you know, what did they give you when they were around you? Um, that's been really amazing, you know, and it's really impacted my relationships that are here in my daily life of people and spending time with them and enjoying every moment, you know, I... Um, you know, if you ever get like tea and sometimes like certain tea companies write like a little quote on there or whatever. And it's just like, it's so funny how life is. And we get, my wife buys this tea and it's like, um, today's a gift. That's why it's called the present. Right. And I was like, Oh, I see what you're doing here. You know, universe, like God, whatever, like, like it's like 11 at night. I'm tired. And I like, I open that and just read these little words of wisdom, you know? And I'm like, wow. Right. Like it is, it really is a gift. And sometimes gifts aren't always what you think of the gift. You know, you get those gifts from like a random friend. You're like, oh, cool. Do you know me? But give it time. And it could be not even the gift. It was the action. You know, maybe someone gives you something and that was the best they could have done at the time. And they just tried. They just wanted to give you something. And so all these little things are gifts. It's just, you never know. You just got to, you got to sit in it for a little bit. And I love that. Like sit in it and let it, let it teach you, let it give to you. And, um, you know, so thinking of that journey and just all the negative stuff, I'm like, wow, like, okay, it's been a rough one. You know, my teenage years were just brutal. Like, I mean, the fact that honestly I'm here today, it's like pretty much a miracle. You know, I, um, you know, around 10, 10 years old, you know, to kind of go back, um, I think is such a big impact. And I think you know, talking about that love and the love for my father and the love for my parents is like at 10 years old, I was, um, sent away to a little summer camp for fun. And, 
um, you know, never having a dad or like a, a male role model, you know, there was always that part of a young boy, like kind of searching for that. Like, God, I want someone, I want like the big brother, you know, right. went to this summer camp, like it was super fun, met some cool people. And I ended up meeting this guy and, um, kind of grew on me. We became close after camp and like, um, you know, we spend time and hang out or whatever. And then I would say probably about a year later, he, um, you know, got really close to my family, would come over for stuff. Um, my mom was going through a rough time. And again, you know, love my mom. Right. Trying to make the best choices she can. She's all, she's a single mom at the time, like working, trying to raise four kids, right? Like doing the best she could. So she was like, Hey, why don't you live, you know, move in with us and you can help out. And it was good. And man, from there, man, it was just like, I don't know, something happened. And, um, our relationship, you know, my, he was watching us more and more, this guy, and I was the oldest one and, um, eventually turned into like, um, a really unhealthy physical relationship. And I didn't know what to do. Like I was young and like going, what the, what's going on here? You know, I'm a young boy trying to just figure out life. And I thought someone was supposed to be like there to care for us, turn into be this like, you know, not a good person. And so I ended up being, you know, physically abused for about, um, two, I'd say a year and a half, two years. And during that time, um, you know, I literally, I was like, I want to die. Like, I don't want to live here anymore. If this is what life's like. And because of the, like my past experiences, I didn't know how to like talk about stuff. I didn't know. I was thinking of all the negative, like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, or, you know, do I, do I have to get like, are cops going to be involved? Like, you're a young yeah. boy, right? Like um, your right. frontal lobe's not even developed and you're trying to process stuff that you shouldn't even be experiencing at this age. And so eventually I got to move back out of there to, um, out of my mom's house. And I moved back to my grandmother's cause I would, I just needed to get out of there. I was like, you know, like I said, just like I was going through the roughest time in my life. Couldn't understand why this was happening to me. And at the same time I was, kind of um felt guilty because i had other siblings i have two younger brothers i'm like am i leaving them like is this gonna happen to them and um so i ended up trying to take my own life um probably around 13 years old and you know i was unsuccessful thankfully and when when i came out of it my family asked you know and i'm you know what's wrong and um, they're like, oh, you're a kid, you know, you're just going through stuff and your, your family has depression, which is true. They I have a family history of depression. I didn't know how to explain it, you know? And so um, got through that. I'm like, okay, I'm not there anymore. Like kind of one of those things like, just give it time and I'll all be behind you. You know what I mean? And um, a few years later, went through the same thing again. Because no matter how busy I was and how removed from the situation, I think the guilt of like leaving my siblings, is it happening to them? Um, not being able to explain what happened to me, trying to fill it with all these things, you know, it, it came to me again. I tried it one more time, unsuccessful again. So it's definitely not something I'm good at, which I'm thankful for. And <laughs> you're um, meant to live. <laughs> yeah, meant to live. Dang. And uh, it was such a blessing. And so none of that. I actually pushed all that behind me. We actually found out years later, and hopefully this is still true. My brother said, um, my younger brother, who the guy got close to. Um, said nothing ever happened to him. Um, I'm, I'm still hoping to this day that's the truth. And right. I'm always there. My brother knows if that's something he ever needs to talk to. 
and I, I went on with life. I, like I said, moved in with my dad those later years, went through that, went through, went through, um, started working right away after high school, literally took like a week off, jumped into life. Me and my wife have been dating since high school. So she's my girlfriend. We're doing our thing, you know, about 21 years old. I was on this job and I was in charge of it and I was so stressed out. And it was like the catalyst moment that I had the work, I had what I found out to be what a nervous breakdown is. And I just, it hit. And that was the day, like, I called my mom and I told her everything that happened to me. And she's like, you know, like that mom, I knew it. I knew there was something wrong, you know? And I just unleashed, like, everything and just, in a good way, just let it all come out. I talked to my uncle, who, my mom's brother, who's younger, that was just awesome. And he, I actually worked with him. I ended up sleeping for two days straight. It was just like, everything released I came out of that I talked to my mom about everything that happened everything that went through and you know it was really hard because she felt so bad I knew it we asked you why didn't you say anything and I explained why you know as a young boy I was like do I gotta go to court I don't want people to make fun of me like you know I don't I don't know if I can do this you know all those little things that you when people talk about surviving or like victims of abuse people don't understand like what that does to your mental state like you're thinking of those little details that hold you back from ever explaining what went on because it's not just that simple of telling the truth and like moving on it's like you know your whole world unravels so that was such that great moment of just kind of like this is it this is what happened this is my story I'm letting it all out there. I don't know what happened to the gentleman. I'm hoping that, you know, good things, he's grown from it, whatever. You know, I've always think like, gosh, should I have done something? Should I, you know, and I'm just like, I, you know, I still don't know till this day, like what to do. I just yeah. give people that maybe they took that and go, that's not the way to live. That's not how to treat people and you hurt people. And so, um, you know, for me, that moment was kind of the start of like, almost that spiritual journey transformation was like from there I realized like there's so much more to life and I've seen so much negative stuff you know I saw stuff here and there you know before all that date and before all that little glimpses of you know stuff and relationships and love and like whatever but that was kind of that like aha moment of like there's more to life and it still took years to like get through that you know like what does this all it's mean? A process, yeah. yeah, such a process, you know, but as much as that is, like as much negative it is and people are always like, whoa, like that happened, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I'm here and I love more than ever. And it happens so often that I think it's super powerful that you're talking about it and allowing other victims of this to know that there's healing available, mm. that there's people that you can talk to that if it doesn't, if you don't speak about it right away when it happens and a few years later to go by, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's still hope and opportunity and life after that, that is still precious, you know? I mean, Definitely. look at all the love you're able to give and, and what you're doing. And it's like, it's a testament right there to see how, I don't know. I think, yeah, and I think no matter where we're at in, like, whatever broken state we're in or whatever, yeah. whatever, you know, all that stuff we hear, you know, you never, what I realize is you never want something to take what's truly you, and that's that love of you, right? And I think it's always in this, and I think of no matter what my dad's done, it's always in him. Whatever that person who abused me did, there's still love in there, yeah. 
right? And that's hard to say. Like, that's hard. Or like, you know, enduring different things in our life. Like, can that person really still, is there love in there, you know? Like, that human side of us that's like all, you know, affected by the things we see. But there's, there is. And I truly believe, no matter what, if you're still living, you're breathing, inside of you no matter what junk is covering it up and whatever's piled on it there's love in there and the same for us so like i think of no matter how much i've experienced or gone through and probably will continue to go through there's love in me and we have to be intentional of going inside inside we always think of the external you know and I've, i've but i've seen people affected you know that don't have all the external stuff or the conditions aren't what we think ideal in life you know, the disabilities, mental disability, you know, physical, mental, um, just financial, whatever it is. And inside, there's still their love. They know their love and they're still getting through each day. Right. And that's my biggest thing is that someone won't recognize that or understand. Can I still love? Can I be love? Yeah. Am I love? Is love in me yeah. with all this going on? And the truth is, yes, like it's hard. It's not easy. You gotta like you gotta do the work. You gotta do the work, man. And what and and you know what? You gotta do the work that's right for you. Right. You know, people, if it's going to church or it's going to meditate, if it's going to surf, if it's going to run, if it mm-hmm. whatever, if it's couch time with your family and or a bed with your dogs, like, you yeah. know, just snuggling and do it. Do that work. But and the work changes constantly. Like for me, I'm a big like it's constantly changing. I yeah. spend time in nature, and then it's more time with my daughter, my wife. Um, sometimes it's work, you know, just you know, getting up and when you're tired, going to work and doing that work, yeah. and then realizing like that was good. That was good for my soul. Or I meet someone at my work, or I serve someone. You know, sometimes when I go to serve someone, and I'm a big believer in this, you always get more in return than you give, right. big time. And my work in that area of my life of serving others is like, is how I get fed. You know, people always like, oh, you're doing this and it's great. I'm like, dude, go on a trip with me. You're going to be like, I need to pay them like for what they just did to me. You, you know, that human experience, conversation, time together has been so powerful to me, even if it's bad. We always want it to be good, but I've had really bad conversations of really bad experiences <laughs> and they've turned out to be very giving to me and teachable and like, whoa, like I could use this. I yeah. could use this. Can you tell us a little about that trip, about the, um, the Water for Life? I know there's an event coming up this weekend. Yeah. So um, October 7th, we're having our big, um, we call it Pouring Out Hope event. It's our annual fundraiser. It's our seventh year. And I got involved in Water for Life a few years back while I was working for Project Reach. And um, they contacted me for something totally different. And they provide clean drinking water filters, education around the world. And it was founded by this um, amazing friend of mine. Like, again, just the people you meet in life. His yeah. name's Rudy Schaefer. And, um, yeah, so he, they contacted me. And we started, um, I started taking water filters on trips that I was going on for with Project Reach. And... Um, you know, we Haiti, Guatemala and different places. And, um, we just built up this relationship and I saw, you know, every time I traveled, it was like, I want to leave you something. And I don't always have the monetary, like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't got much, you know? (laughs) And, um, but I wanted to leave something that lasted. And I, I I believe in leaving something that truly can help your life benefit, you know, benefit your life. So food, 
um, medical, um, anything in that area. And so with the water filters, I was able to leave this water filter. And people are always like, this little water filter. Is this in Guatemala? Yeah. So um, the last big trip I was on for that was in Guatemala. And we were in these little villages and they had contaminated drinking water. And we set these buckets up with the filter and we taught them how to use it. It was amazing to like, I'm back here. I'm back in the U.S. Like I turn my faucet on, I get my smart water, my electrolyte water, you know, alkaline, you name it, right? Like they had one water source. It wasn't good. We set these water filters that I know now that I'm back here, it's continuing to give. But what I also saw while I'm there and that's that stuff is like what I see and the family's still together and the moms with the babies doing the best they can and loving with mud huts and maybe a pot of beans to eat and tortillas that are like, you know, I love tortillas, but like every day, right? Like that's every day. Like to see that and then go, I have a daughter back home. I have a wife. Oh my, like I'm blessed beyond belief. Yeah. You know, we lose track of that sometimes. It's, you got to be intentional of like recounting it, but also they have a smile on their face and the kids are playing with me and like they're hanging out and there's language barriers and <laughs> cultural barriers and it didn't matter. It's love. It's love. Love doesn't even need to talk. Love doesn't even need to do anything. Love just needs to be. And so that, you know, working with Water for Life and seeing that has been, it's funny how like I love to volunteer and do the work, but like it's almost like I'm paid way more. I experience more. And um, so our event will, um, we host every October, raises money through what we do is like a dinner and drinks and all that, you know, all the fun stuff for us Western people and our little events. And we love dressing up. And then we auction off like, I mean, we got like safari to Africa and Bali all donated. That money goes right back into filters. So everything we raise goes back into filters or wells or whatever it is for clean water. Um, baby rescues so it's going to be down in uh, mission bay at the it's a it's a marina down there and you can go on to water for life global ministry um has a social media page or waterforlifeministry.com and um, check us out and you can kind of see the event or if you can't make it you can donate there um it's something i'm passionate about and i think that's been the biggest part of my life and what do I do and having purpose. Like I love being a father. I love being a husband. I love working and having the opportunity to work, but I love to serve. And I think you, like I said, I serve others, but I, I get served way more. And so serving more, serving others, me getting fed that way spiritually, um, that passion is literally when I wake up in the morning, my eyes open, it's like, what can I do to help out? What can I do to help out? I don't know if I'll change the world. Like I would love to, right? I always like, if I had all this money, like I would do this and, you know, be like Oprah, right? But for me, what can I do? And sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes it's providing a water filter. Sometimes it's some food that I have or a gift. And, but what I get in return when I go like, what did I do today? Was I productive? Maybe it is that. Maybe it is those things, you know? And that's what really fuels me. So like working for Water for Life is like, it's amazing. I want people to be part of it just to see like you can do, you can help. Like we always hear that be the change. And I love that. Like be the change. Like you can, I have these friends, like they live in LA and like they saw one of our posts and they're like coming, they're like, we're coming down to the event. I'm like, no way. Like from LA. And they're like, yeah, we'll be there. And I'm like, cause they, when they see something and they're like, it's bigger than us and you know, it's bigger than me. And it's, it's these kids, it's these families around the world and we want to be part of it. So yeah, if you want some more info, check us out, you know, Water for Life. 
And um, yeah, we'd love to have people join us. I'll make sure to, to put that link on, on this podcast. Um, awesome. On the little blurb on the bottom. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, thank sure. you. We'll thank definitely you. have to have another conversation. Oh, man, for sure. In the near future. Yes. And continue this because yes. I can talk for hours with you. This is super fun. Yeah. Um, so thank you guys for listening to Tales of Recovery. Check out Stevie Santos on Instagram. He has great inspiration on there. And The Water for Life as well. The links will be up on the podcast. And we'll talk to you soon.